from days of long ago. From uncharted regions of the universe comes a legend. Star Joe's Podcast, episode 267, Convention Misadventures. I'm your host, Ryan. And I'm John. And I'm Grub. And welcome back, everyone. Uh, yeah, it's been uh, been a little while since the three of us got together, uh, and we've we've had some things that we've done since then, so uh, I know we were going to try to get together a couple other times, and just timing just didn't work, so uh, glad to have you guys back. Um I know you guys got to actually see each other uh, not that long ago. So, uh, what what was that all about, and how'd that go? You mean the fifteen hours that John was standing in line? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> we had the distinct pleasure of attending GalaxyCon here in Richmond. Gosh, uh, well, I don't remember when it was now. Uh, I think it was about three weeks ago. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, yeah. Yeah, and uh, Grub came down. I went basically to see him and to meet Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. For those of you that don't know, she is a professional wrestler uh, with the AEW brand currently. And I was there to get autographs for me and Uncle T-Bag. I waited in line. I got there early and was number three in line. She showed up. Oh gosh, what was it, Grub at noon? I don't know. Twelve thirty. Like, the show opened was, at ten, and she rolled in yeah. after after twelve sometime. I Jeez. think it was closer to one. It probably was. It probably was. Uh, but thankfully, uh, we had a chance to kind of shout at each other while I was in line, and I talked to some of the other collectors around me that uh, were quite well prepared, which I love that people yep. had their uh, appropriate. Uh, paint pens and you, you know you're you know you're in the right crowd when you see people with paint pens and they're shaking them and uh, yeah it, it's a it's an experience it's n- something I'm just getting used to but I had a chance to meet uh, Dr. Baker she was very nice 
She was shocked at the trading cards that I had that she told me that her parents were looking for. Uh, but uh, <laughs> got, got those signed, and that was it. I, after that, I was done. Grub and I got to walk the floor. Uh, I think Grub would tell you that I ran into half of Richmond. And nice. You know <laughs> that, a lot of people. In that I know area. a lot of people. Well, as I said, I've been here for 20, gosh, almost 22 years now, so I should know people. But a lot of crowd. Holy cow. A lot of people. The the lines were, were long for uh, Grub Shatner and Ashley Eckstein. Who else? I don't even remember. This there, there were only three or four big lines. Uh, yeah. Britt Baker had a line for when she first got there. She had a pretty significant line, but for the most part, you could get you could get get to people and get to things. It was fun. It was it was definitely strange though to go to a show and not get a not to get any sketches at all. Sure, I, I barely hit Artist Alley because Galaxy Con is just not that big on the comic art side. There were some big names there however those big names have big prices and as we've talked about at least in the chats and maybe on the show i can appreciate artists getting paid what the market bears sure but the market may not be there for me yeah and that that's okay i'm doing other things now and you know it was super fun it was super fun to hang with grub said old men hugging each other and you know (laughs) Talking about things and just lots know, of gray things. hair. Yeah, we got a chance. We you know we got a chance to see the the, the folks over with the uh, with the finest and talk to uh, Joe Colton for a bit. That was nice. That's Hadn't cool. seen her in a long time. Yeah. So yeah, it was cool. To, she, she was uh, excited to see you. Yeah, yeah, which was nice. I, I you know we talked uh, talk shop. Glad to steer. Glad to hear that what's on John mind is still going. I, I haven't listened in a while. I'm I'm not ashamed to admit it. It's just uh, had kind of fallen off my radar, but uh, yeah, I enjoyed talking talking to her and talking to some of the other folks there in in the finest and with the five hundred one and nice. Yeah, it was it was good good times all around. That's good awesome. times all around. It's awesome. Uh, well, uh, I had my first. Well, does Grub does Grub want to tell his? Oh yeah, go right ahead, Grub. What you got going on? I'm trying right, to. Yeah. I, I feel like it's because didn't you have like you just go to everything now? <laughs> yeah, say, like, I've, went, I've been to like four cons in like this year alone, so it's I, like at this point. I'm, but um, and you got a few different the, autographs and everything else too. Yeah, well, I mean that's that's what I've kind of fallen into is right. is autograph collecting. Um, I mean, I already was, but it's become more of an intense thing. But there were a couple of artists at Galaxy Con that uh, there was one girl I was talking to. Um, who she had only started doing conventions like late last, late 21. Um, and I was like, man, I really hope I see you at Baltimore because if I realized that like somebody, I mean, I was like when her Disney stuff was phenomenal. Um, so I'm hoping she's at Baltimore, but I I think she's, she lives in the area somewhere of Richmond. So she's kind of a localish. Gotcha. Uh, I can't remember her name. I got a business card downstairs, but, um, yeah, for me, I came down to see, uh, oh Christ, um, oh, it was, uh, Francis, Francis Choi, I think is how his name is pronounced. He's the voice of Quick Kick. Oh, okay. In, uh, the Sunbow Joe cartoon. And he was also Shredder in, in the second, uh, TMNT movie in like, you know, the early 90s. Um, but there was somebody else and it's bugging the hell out of me. I can't remember who it was I was there to see. <laughs> 
but yeah, I mean, that's, that con got real crowded real fast on that Saturday. Yeah. Like I remember John and I were walking around just talking and looking at stuff and there were a couple times we we're like, nope, we're not going that down, down that aisle. Uh, but you know, it, it's kind of, it's nice to see the con scene coming back. Yeah. And it's coming back hard. I mean, like, oh, yeah. It, it seems like every show I've been to this year has been crowded as hell. People um, want to get out, yeah. Well, that and, you know, like, I don't know if you just want me to transition into the other couple of shows I've been to since yeah. the last time I was, uh, was the first one was WinterCon, which is New York City. It's actually at LaGuardia Airport. It's a casino attached to it. But they were having a mini aliens reunion. So they brought in the actors who played Drake, Vasquez, Lieutenant Gorman, um, Frost and uh, Michael Bean was there. Um, I already have Michael Bean and I already have Drake's autograph, so I wanted Vasquez, Frost, and Gorman. And I was like the first person who wasn't a VIP um, for that show, and it was nice just because like I got in. It's it's not a, it's a it's a tiny show. It's it's very small. I got in, got my autographs, and I was probably gone within half an hour because you know New York City's three and a half to four hours worth of driving one way for me. Yeah. Um, but it was cool to see clearly some of those actors hadn't seen each other in a while. Um, and just seeing like how happy they were to see each other. Um, I mean, plus I was super happy cause yay, more, more aliens, colonial Marines autographs. Right. Uh, so it was neat. Um, I think it's not a show that like, if you live far away, it's probably not worth coming in just because it is so tiny. You know, the, the floor, I mean, literally it, it, you could be done with the floor in 15 minutes. Um, but you know, it's been on my radar for a while because I usually do themed shows. So in this case, it was colonial Marines. They had a, a blade runner reunion several years ago before Rucker Howard died. Uh, you know, so they, they tend to do theme shows. And I think the last one they did before COVID was uh farscape. Okay. A bunch of the Farscape folks. Um, and then I, I can't remember if it was the week, I think it was the weekend after that, I then went to Pittsburgh for Steel City. Um, Steel City usually does, I want to say three to four shows a year. And, uh, I, I've been there a couple of times in the last seven or eight years. And in this case, I was going to get, uh, originally I was going to get Lance Henriksen, who played Bishop in mm-hmm. Aliens. Unfortunately, he canceled two days before the show. Oh, man. <laughs> um, and then they also had, um, Robbie Benson, who was the voice of Beast in the animated Beauty and the Beast. Okay. Uh, so I ended up just getting Robbie Benson because everybody, I mean, they were having like a, uh, uh, National Lampoon's uh, Vacation Reunion. Um, but that show was a complete fucking just mass of humanity. Oh, yeah. It was insane. Like, um, at, at one point, literally, you could not move. There were so many people trying to get through two sections of to where... They basically have all the vendors in the front, and then you got to go through these two little hallways to get to where all the autographs are. And p- 
people could not, I mean, they physically could not move. There were so many people jammed into that area. And, you know, I'm a big dude. I finally just turned around, looked at my friend and said, fuck it, I'm going. And I just put my hand out and just said, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, and, and just fucking beeline my way through just because I was like, I saw openings and I took them. Um, because if, like, my, my buddy that was with me is, you know, he's, people call him my brother because him and I look a lot alike, except for he's six foot four. I'm only six foot. Um, but, uh, at one point he's like, how in the hell do you move through crowds like that? And I'm like, it's easy. My first high school was a school built for 1800 kids and had 3,700 people in it. You learned <laughs> how to get through uh, hallways yeah. by just snaking your way through. Um, but it was funny because some dude, when I was doing the, you know, just trying to get out of the area just so we could get out of that crowd, you know, threw a shoulder into my back. Oh, geez. And to like, you know, you know, and made some comment about dick. And I felt it, but I didn't, it didn't, uh, it didn't affect me at all. And yeah. my buddy Verbal just laid his shoulder into this guy and, and laid him out. Oh, wow. <laughs> because it's like, dude, you literally, you started this. And right. He's right behind me. And he just reacted and just shouldered him and pushed, you know, I mean, knocked him on his ass in this crowd. It was <laughs> on some levels. It's like, well, we probably shouldn't have done that. But others, it's like, just don't be a dick, man. Like we're yeah. just trying to get through like everybody else. Yeah. And I, I, I saw an opening and I took it, you know, I'm not saying I'm proud of it, but I did what I had to do. Um, but they desperately need a bigger venue than yeah. what they have. If anybody's been to steel city that listens to this, you will understand what I'm talking about. I mean, it is a night. It was a nightmare. Uh, cause we were only there one day on Saturday and it was a freaking nightmare. Um, I, and of course, you know, I'm sure there were plenty of people who didn't smell great either. Sure. <laughs> but then we ran into a friend of ours that had flown up from, uh, from Miami that we didn't know was there. Oh, okay. Because he'd come up for Chevy Chase and some of the other autographs he was getting. Um, but it's, it just feels like right now the con, the con thing is back and it's back in a big way and all these, all these shows that are established clearly are not hurting for attendance right now. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, like this month, man, I've got, uh, not this weekend, I've got basically three cons, three weekends in a row. There's a show in Northern Virginia um, that's uh, Big Lick, uh, the Nova edition. Then the weekend after that, I'm flying out to California. Um, actually, it's not... Yeah, I'm flying out to California the weekend after that, and then Celebration is the starts basically a couple of days after I get out there. So, so you got Star Wars Celebration, and then I come back on a Monday, and then that Friday is Awesome Con in DC. Oh, jeez, <laughs> so gonna be a little busy. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be real interesting, um, but fun, I think. So yeah, it, it yeah just, just for the audience, we should be clear that Big Lick is called that because the city of Roanoke, Virginia, was originally called Big Lick. And so it started, Big Lick Con started in Roanoke. Yeah. It, and I just want to make sure people don't think it's porn or ice cream <laughs> or, or whatever <laughs> else. Salt out in, out in Utah. To, yeah, well, it literally has to do with the salt that was in the Roanoke River. But yeah, big. But Roanoke was originally called Big Lick. And yes, it's a ludicrous name for a comic book show, but 
Yeah. That's what they <laughs> that was, the uh, the funny thing is that Big Lick show in in Northern Virginia by Dulles Airport. That's Jim Shooter and Larry Hama are both going to be there. Uh, and I'm like, ooh, Shooter. <laughs> yeah. So it's weird seeing him starting to do shows. Yeah, he's start he's starting to go out. He, uh, he did shows years ago. Yeah. And then he stopped. Yeah. He did maybe one or two. When I started going in 2009, 2010, that time frame, he went to a handful, and then, yeah, he disappeared for a long time. Yeah, I'm actually thinking about busting open my CGC-graded Joe number one to have him sign it um, because I've got Bob McLeod, Herp, uh, Trempy, and Hama signed that. I'm like, well, I don't know if I could you know, shoot her on that. <laughs> But yeah. somebody's like, no, don't open it. And I'm like, eh. <laughs> I know. I understand the the, uh, the draw to that because, like, um, I mentioned you guys before the show started. Like this coming Friday, my comic shop is having their free comic book day, just like everyone else is. But they're doing a Friday night show um, with Jim Shooter as the special guest, and they did this last year with Chris Claremont, and then they did it a few years ago with uh, Jim Steranko. So I'm supposed to go to that, and um, they told us that you can have three things signed by him, and I have five things I would like to have signed by him because <laughs> um, I've got uh, from over. I actually got these from over in the UK. They did uh, Secret Wars Part One and Part Two as hardcover editions, with like a lot of extra stuff in the back and everything else. And actually, one of the things is all about in the back is all about Jim Shooter. So I was like, well, I'd like him to sign those. I'd like him to sign my hardcover volume one of G.I. Joe. But to what you were saying, Grub, I have G.I. Joe number one, which is already signed by Hama. I unfortunately did not have it when I met Trimpy, uh, but it's signed by Hama. I was like, oh, do I get Shooter to sign that? And then I have Secret Wars number one in a really nice condition. And I'm usually not one to get issues signed, but those two issues, like, I'm thinking about it. And then they sent out an email, just the comic shop sent out an email recently saying, like, because for Saturday they were going to have it where you get uh, three signed for free, and then if you wanted to buy a package, you could get, like, for $30, you could get five more signatures. And then that was it to keep the line moving. But then they sent out an email saying, like, new update, all signatures are going to be free, but you only get five. And I was like, does that mean those of us that are paying Friday night? also get five because I gave them money to be at this special event thing. <laughs> um, so I have to email them just to find out like, are we still getting only three or do we get five also? Cause I'll bring all five things. Um, but yeah, it's, he's, he's getting, he's making his way, his way around again. So I, I would not be surprised to see him show up at Baltimore this year. I think he's supposed to. I haven't looked at the guest list in a bit, but the, I, ha- uh, I haven't either. But my friend Sam, who you guys have met before, I yeah. think he looked, and he mentioned Shooter's supposed to be there. So because yeah, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna bust open that that Joe number one, and then I've got the IDW uh, that special edition hardcover volume one they did that uh, has the Trempy art in it yeah. that I got. Yeah, I think I may have him sign that. Gotcha. So very cool. Any well, other? tell us. You no, know, I was going to say I, well, I don't have any grub. You got any? I want to hear about his tabling experience. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'll start with the sobering experience that happened when I went to the table first. 
which is as soon as I went to my table and started to set up, that's when I got a text message saying that, unfortunately, uh, as we all know, Neil Adams passed away. And that set the mood for a whole lot of people in that convention right then, because um, I was the one that actually broke it to a lot of the people around me. Um, the uh, the guy that organized all, all of us didn't even know yet. He got like a text message after someone, one of the other creators went and told him. Um, so, uh, so yeah, that was, that was rough, uh, to hear that. Uh, I know people have had, have mixed feelings about Neil Adams, but he is a comic legend. Uh, his artwork's incredible and he did a lot for comic creator rights. So, uh, regardless of how maybe you feel about him personally, maybe any personal interactions or something like that, he did a lot for comic creators. Um, and, uh, then, uh, so like everyone was talking about like their interactions with him and I've all, I, I, my one interaction with him was a very po- you know, positive one. He was, uh, I got him to sign something in Baltimore when his autograph still only cost $5 and, uh, he was super nice, super pleasant with me. Um, and, uh, and I've heard enough like from a lot of people like having good interactions. It seems like Maybe he's had some off days for some people, but my interactions and a lot of the people I talk to around me sound like they had really good interactions with him. So, um, when I texted, uh, Chuck and all of them and mentioned it to them, um, <laughs> you might find this kind of humorous, but, uh, they were like, uh, I can't remember who said if it was Chuck or Travis or somebody said, Hey, has anyone else noticed that Ryan's first convention is when Neil Adams passed away? <laughs> Mm. Be, since I have a history of meeting comic creators and they pass away, um, Darwin Cook and, you know, Herb Trimpey and, uh, there, there's been a few. And, uh, I was like, hey, I've also met a lot of other comic creators and they're all still alive. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I went there. So to give some people just quick background, um, I got contacted by Kevin Longman, uh, who's a friend of the show. He's been on the show a couple times and everything. Uh, really super nice guy, and he reached out to me. He's like, hey, are you planning on doing Fan Expo Cleveland? And I was like, well, I was thinking about it, especially with it being my hometown. I can, you know, stay, you know, don't have to pay for a hotel or anything like that. And he's like, if I could talk to the organizer and get you a table, would you be interested? I was like, well, yeah, that's... <laughs> so, so I guess uh, with him, Kevin works uh, Fan Expo Calgary, and he's done it for a while, and uh, he's really good friends with the person that books all the talent who's also, whose name is also Kevin and uh, his name's Kevin Boyd. And he reached out to him and said, Hey, is there any chance that you, uh, my friend Ryan could get a table at fan expo Cleveland? And, uh, he responded back and like Kevin showed me what he responded back. He's like stealth hammer. So he must've Google searched me really quick. Um, he's like, yeah, I'll give him a professional table and, uh, let me know what all that was involved and everything like that. So for my very first convention, there I am with a professional table next to a bunch of other professional comic book artists, not like the surrounded artist alley. And I'm like, yeah, normally I'd probably just be an artist alley. (laughs) So uh, it was a very surreal, awesome experience to like be bringing my stuff up and see my name hanging over the the table and everything like that. That was just an awesome uh, experience to kind of see that. I did bring my sign home. Uh, nice. Yeah. And, uh, someone said, uh, Kevin mentioned it to me. He's like, Hey, uh, you should try to bring your sign home. A lot of times people on their first convention will, will do that. 
And uh, so I asked the guy that as he was coming around taking them down, I was like, hey, is there any chance I could I could have that? And he's like, I it was already gone when I came here. <laughs> so that was very cool. Um, and uh, yeah, I got all set up and got to meet the people around me. And uh, actually, I'll tell you exactly who sat on each side of me. So to my right was uh, Gavin Smith, who's an artist. He worked has recently worked on Star Trek Mirror Universe comic. So, you know, I had a whole lot to talk with him about. Uh, <laughs> uh, super nice guy, though. Like, I really didn't have much to talk with him about. We didn't talk a whole lot during the show, but uh, he seemed to know the guy on the other side of him uh, pretty well. But uh, we did talk a little bit. Like I said, super nice. Um, I did rescue uh, something being stolen from his table. Uh, there was a guy that came up to me and to him and said, uh, like a guy in his 30s, and just seemed kind of weird. Not like there was anything wrong with him, just like like actually like no disabilities or anything like that, just seemed weird. And he's like, hey, so you guys create comic books? And we were like, yeah. And he's just like, oh, okay. And he picks up one of the Star Trek comics and starts flipping through it. And he starts kind of wandering towards my table with it. And I was like, I was like, hey, Gavin, uh, I think this guy's interested in your work here. I, you know, you, uh, looks like he's looking through your, your comic there. And I wanted to make it very nonchalant. <laughs> and all of a sudden the guy like walks back over and puts it back down and talks to Gavin for like a couple minutes. And then <laughs> that was it. Um, and then on the other side of me was Martin Dunn, and he had been in the comic scene for a little while, kind of left it for a while due to personal reasons. Uh, him and I hit it off really well. Uh, we talked through a lot of the show. I mostly talked to a lot of his, his agent was there, uh, whose name is Adam. And uh, But yeah, we, did, we got to know him really well. Uh, and uh, so I did get to hear about all the stuff he went through. <laughs> and... Uh, he, yeah, he was super nice. He invited me to go out with them Saturday night, which was nice. And, uh, I declined just, this was a lot already for me and for my wife to feel comfortable going out. So I explained that to him and he was very cool about it. But, uh, he's like, yeah, he's like, well, hopefully in the future you can. He's like, I know I had people when I was starting out that took me out to go meet other creators. So he says, I want to do the, you know, he's like, you seem like a cool guy. Like, want to do the same for you. And he says, and I like what you're doing here. It looks really cool. So. Um, so I met him, uh, I got to meet, uh, uh, Tone Rodriguez who worked on the comic Stray Dogs, which is really huge. And, uh, then also got to meet, uh, Fabrici Sapolsky, uh, who worked, who was, I guess he's the creator of Spider-Man Noir. Um, so he was super nice, uh, and, uh, got to hang out with them. I, <laughs> so Friday night after I'm all set up and things, you know, the cons going and everything else, I get, uh, someone coming to my table and I was told in advance, I might have to help out on like a panel or something like that, which I was totally fine with, but I get a little piece of paper that says, you're going to be on a panel at seven o'clock. Uh, it's talking about creating comics. <laughs> I was like, okay. And luckily Martin, who I, like I said, got to know really well, he was moderating it. And then Fabrici, that's how I actually got to meet Fabrici was he was the other guest. And, uh, Martin was very cool. Martin talked for, so the panel was an hour long and Martin talked for about 40 minutes of the hour long panel. <laughs> so didn't really have to say too much. <laughs> um, but it was cool. Like there wasn't a lot of audience members, like maybe 10 people in the room and they did ask really good questions. So we, we got to talk about like storytelling, creating characters with motives and stuff like that. So that was really kind of awesome. 
uh, to be part of a panel. Um, and then, uh, Saturday came and went, Sunday came and went. It was, I started getting used to like being able to just leave my stuff there. So when Sunday came and I had to pack everything up and carry it back to the car, I was like, I don't like this part of it. <laughs> Cause I just got used to being like, okay, bring everything down under the, under the table. And then I leave, <laughs> come back the next day. Um, I feel like you've been around Shannon and Brian and all these guys enough that you've seen them do that. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Got to talk to some of the people across from me. Actually, one of them I wanted to give a quick plug to because they're just starting out also. Uh, they're on Instagram. They're called Culture Cutouts. Uh, and that's how you can find them on Instagram too. But they do like these, um, art pieces where they take comic books and they put them on canvas and then they put a big image. You, you probably have seen stuff like this before. They put a big image of the character over the comic book pages. Looks really cool. They do custom jobs. Uh, for people, so uh, check them out. But they, they're this was their first convention too, so it was kind of cool to kind of talk with them a bit and everything. Um, and they had this really awesome like Spider-Man piece and this uh, Doctor Doom piece that I really liked. Uh, they're like, well, it's for sale, and I'm like, well, let's see how this con goes. Well, con didn't go that well <laughs> sales wise, um, which I knew. I know this is going to be a grind, and I know it's going to be it's going to take time and everything else. Like I'm trying to sell something that isn't Spider-Man or Batman. Like I'm trying to sell something that's my own. Um, so I had a few sales, had a few people. Uh, like I had some friends that came that never picked it up before. They want they were t- came and saw me and picked it up. And then I had some people that uh, I don't, they just saw it, thought it was interesting. We talked with them about it. Um, had one girl, she must have picked it up at Carolyn John's or something like that, but she came up to me on Saturday and was just like, with what you guys are doing here, it's inspired me to create my own comic book. And that, like, probably meant more than anything else that happened at the whole convention. So, um, so that was very cool. Uh, Joel got to be there on Saturday. I contacted him on, uh, Jamie was concerned, uh, my wife was concerned about me being there by myself. Uh, she's like, I know you know conventions, I know you're comfortable with them, but like, just being on your own, especially all day Saturday, which is the longest day. She's like, I'm just, I'm just nervous. And so, uh, I texted Joel. I was like, Hey, any, I know it's last minute. Any chance you'd be willing to come up on Saturday? Uh, well, as luck would have it, uh, he was actually already coming up to Cleveland cause his family lives up here in Cle- the Cleveland area and he was coming up for a first communion. So I actually got him out of the first communion. <laughs> <laughs> He did, uh, did a few, he did like a couple commissions and then someone took his information to, to send, to email him a commission. And, uh, so that was cool. Um, there was, uh, I'm trying to remember the actor's name, but do you remember, uh, if you ever watched The Office, uh, the guy that played Pac-Man, which was, uh, oh, uh Packer? Packer, yes. Yeah, David Keckner. Yes. He came around to each table and introduced himself. Oh, and, cool. That's and, actually an autograph I want because that had nothing to do with, uh, <laughs> dang it. <laughs> yeah, he came around to each table and, like, took just a second to be like, hey, I love what you're doing there. And he, like, pointed at it and he's like, yeah, super nice guy. Um, I got to meet Mark Shepard, who plays Crowley on Supernatural. Uh, and, uh, I can say this now because she's not going to listen to this. Uh, my niece is really big into Supernatural. Like, I watched Supernatural from the very beginning and then for 15 years that it was on. Um, she, she's about 14, 15 years old, so she watched it much later. 
but she's a diehard fan, and Cro- the Mark Shepard is her favorite actor in it. And okay, last- I was wondering because he's—I've seen him on the con scene a lot lately, yeah, or whatever. Enough recently, yeah, not just this year, but whatever. And I was like, I didn't know. Like, I've never watched Supernatural, so I was like, what has he been on? Because he had a um, a a role in Firefly, and he was also yes. on the, the redo Battlestar Galactica. Yes. So that's what I know him from. But I'm like, why is everybody so excited to meet him? Like, what yeah. is he on that? Okay, yeah, so Supernatural. Supernatural. And he was on there for, like, I think, 10 seasons. So Okay, well, that show went on for 17 years. So right, yeah. exactly. Um, <laughs> and uh, he also uh, was on uh, the Doom Patrol that's on HBO Max and stuff. So he was in that. Um, but most people know him from Supernatural. And uh, his character is amazing on there. And and so I told, I texted my sister to let him know that he was going to be there. And she's like, oh, man, we can't get up there. Uh, and Natalie's going to freak out knowing that, you know. And I was like, well, if there's any chance I get to meet him, I'll see what I can do. So I did get to meet him. I got something signed to uh, to my niece. And uh, she's going to freak out. I already sent a picture to my sister. And she's like, oh, my God. She goes, I'm freaking out. And I was like, I was like, yeah, I got to meet him. And that was enough for me. But, uh so I, I'm very excited. When I talked with him, I guess I talked to his handler for a little bit at first, and his handler, she was saying like, "Yeah, he loves the fans." Like, like she's like, "There's a lot of people she's like I've worked with before that, you know, they just kind of do the motions and everything else." She's like, "He genuinely loves meeting the fans." Um, so when I met him, I told explained you know why I was there and everything else, and he uh, he's like, "Well." He signed it to to Natalie, and then he uh, said, when you see her, give her a big hug. And he goes, I mean a big hug, and then tell her that was from me. And so that was very cool. Um, And I told him, because my sister got a cameo of him last year for her birthday, and I mentioned that to him, and he's like, and who knows, he could be bullshitting me, but it was still cool of him to say. He's like, I remember Natalie last year, so that was cool. Um, And then I got, while I was waiting for him to come, because he was on a smoke break um to do that i got to see just a very cool experience and i've heard from a lot of other people that they have had cool experiences with her but katie sackoff was there and there was i don't know what happened i can only guess at what actually happened based on what i saw but her hand there was this uh there was these uh mom and a dad that were looked like they were wheeling their kid from the stage where they would have, you know, guests come up and talk. And their their son was in a wheelchair, definitely, like, some disabilities that were uh, going on there. And his wheelchair was decorated on both sides as the, um, oh, my God, I almost said Firefly, but not, it's not Razor Crest. Razor Crest, <laughs> yes. The Razor Crest, thank you. Um, and then on the wheels of it, it had baby Yoda, Grogu, in his little uh, hover thing. Uh, on each side. And I think what happened was Katie saw that, sent her handler over to them and said that she wants to meet them. And because they, they seemed stunned because I saw the handler run over there and they were definitely not walking away. Like they expected to meet her and they were just like in shock and they like wheeled over. She came out. Uh, she did sign language with the boy, uh, with the parents help uh, behind him. And uh, then held up two pictures of her in the Mandalorian armor, and he pointed to one of them, and she signed it for him, and then she kneeled down to take a picture uh, with him. And I was like, she just made, like, I was almost in tears just seeing it. 
Like, and like you said, once I saw like a few posts about her and everything else, this is not unusual for her to do this type of stuff. So I thought it was very, very cool of her. And, and I have a much higher, I already respected her before because she was in stuff I loved, but I have even a higher respect for her as a person after seeing that. So, um, so yeah, it was a fun convention. Um, I'm glad I didn't have to pay for the table because I wouldn't have been able to afford it with what I sold, but getting it out there, getting the experience, getting some ideas for the next time I table something. Um, I did get to meet Tony Harris, uh, who drew for uh, several issues of the Starman series, which is one of my all-time favorite series, so I brought my hardcover omnibus with me in case I got to meet him and get stuff signed. He was super nice. I got to talk with him for a little bit, and I told him I was just starting out. And he's like, "Oh, what do you do?" And I was telling him about it. He was just like, "Man, I, I, you know, I wish you the best of luck." I said, "Well, I'm starting out late in life." He goes, "Dude, there's no starting out late in life. You start when you're supposed to start." And uh, like, just a really cool, cool guy. And then uh, Joe related, uh, Kevin Longman <laughs> sent me. He's like, "Hey, if I send you my GI Joe." poster which has all the covers of gi joe from the marvel years um if i send it to you can you, get, can you get michael golden to sign it and he told me that when he first had it printed michael golden was the first creator he got to meet and michael golden wouldn't sign it because it wasn't something of his per se and so he's like i'm hoping that with him seeing all the other signatures i have on this now that he's willing to do it and i was like well i know i had a weird experience with michael golden before <laughs> so I don't know how it's how he's gonna do, but you know I'll offer to pay for him and pay for the signature, of course, and everything. Um, and uh, so he sent me the poster and took I took it over to Michael Golden, and he could not have been nicer. He was just absolutely awestruck by all the autographs on it. Super nice and friendly with me. You know, of course, I did pay him for the autograph, uh, which you know, no problem there. And, uh, he signed it in what, what, how he signs stuff, which doesn't even look like a signature. Uh, it looks like a squiggle line. Uh, but, and then he. <laughs> there's, 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 there's the bigger question, Ryan. Was yeah. Renee around? I uh, didn't know. It was just him. That's probably why. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause when I met him, Renee was around. So that plays, yeah. that makes sense. Speaking of Renee, with that WinterCon show with all the, uh, the aliens guys, uh, they had a, I don't know if she was actually there, but next to each of their little name banners, they had a thing brought to you by Renee. I was like, uh, what the f-? okay. Yeah. But yeah, he, uh, he, like I said, and then Kevin asked me if I would get, if he was willing to, if I get a picture of him holding it up. So I asked him, and he's like, yeah, absolutely. And he pointed to the, you know, the issue he did. And, uh, I got a picture of that and uh, thanked him very much. And I was like, yeah, he's like, and he, like I said, again, he mentioned like all the autographs on there. And I was like, yeah, cause he knew I was doing it for a friend. And I says, yeah, my friend's up in Canada and stuff. And he goes, oh, I'm sorry. Tell him I'm sorry about that. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, he's like, uh, I said, yeah, I'm nervous even having this thing. Like I don't need something bad to happen to this thing. And he goes, well, you know, Things happen in the mail, and maybe it just doesn't get up there. <laughs> is, is that the poster that Kevin sent down to Baltimore a couple years ago? Probably, yeah. That uh, that I was I forget who I got for him to sign on that thing. Yeah, very because I remember you handed poster. it off to me, and then yeah, 
I want to say, I don't think it was Zek. It may have been Zek and, um. Yeah, Zek's on there. Uh, I forget who the other, anyway. There's, there's like a good, like, 20 autographs on this thing. And yeah, at the time, I think it was pretty, pretty new, so. Yeah, this thing's impressive. And it makes me very nervous. Like, if there was any way for me to know that I would be seeing Kevin at some point in the next six months, I would tell him, I'll just wait until I see you and hand it to you. Because <laughs> I don't want anything to happen to this thing. Um, but yeah, very good experience. And now, John, that you mentioned that, that makes perfect sense as to why it was a good experience. Um, yeah, let's just say he's a very different individual Yeah. by himself. Yes. I've seen him. Yeah. I'm just going to leave it at that. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I don't know how far this go, how far this message goes. So I'm right. Just I understand. I understand. Um, I, I do want to ask you a question, yeah. Ryan, as far as. Sales aside, yeah. How was the crowd? So that's what I was just going to get into. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. So it was huge. Uh, like you guys were talking about, there being quite a few people. Like Friday was busy, Saturday was busy, Sunday was busy. Like there was not like the beginning of Friday was slow, but it started at four o'clock, and VIP started at two. It started getting busy like around five, six o'clock. Of course, that's when people are getting out of work. So. Um, Saturday was jam packed, uh, tons of people. Um, and it was kind of like, just to go back to sales real quick, it was kind of hit or miss. Like, cause I did get a chance with Joel being there. I did get a chance to walk around, kind of see what people were buying and stuff like that. And it was just like very hit or miss. Like people didn't seem as interested in comics as they were interested in the booths that had, um, like smaller prints, not the large 11 by 17 ones, but more like the small square ones. And I saw a couple booths that had those and they were hopping. And then there was like jewelry, like costume jewelry and stuff like that. Cause there was a lot of cosplayers there. Um, a lot of anime and manga fans and they had panels for them too, uh, for some of the stuff like my hero academia and stuff like that. Uh, they had some like the voice actors there and everything, but, uh, yeah, a lot of cosplayers that I didn't know what they were. So I assumed they were manga or anime. Were, were those cosplayers younger? Yes. Middle school, high school age? Yes. I, mean, I think a little grub and I noticed when we saw a lot of cosplay at the Galaxy show, and it tends to be, I saw a lot of kids with their moms. Yes. You know, like a lot of, there was a, a lot, lot of kids of wearing gear. I have no idea what it is with a, a mother that seemed to be disinterested about the whole thing. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of that. There was a lot of, uh, I laughed every time I saw a spouse walking by with somebody who w- was cosplaying and obviously the spouse wasn't. And that, and I'm not saying like just the husband was cosplaying and the wife wasn't. I mean, I saw it the other way too, where the wife was cosplaying and the husband wasn't. And you could tell the other spouse didn't really want to be there. <laughs> um, one of my friends I used to work with, she brought her son down and she's brand new to the convention scene. Uh, her son is seven years old. He's just getting into superheroes and she wanted to come down like let he wanted to have the convention experience thing, like kind of he wanted to see all the superhero stuff. He came down dressed as Spider-Man, which was awesome. Uh they picked up a, a issue of the comic and uh he was flipping through it and asking me questions about it. And she told me she, t- she messaged me on their way home, uh when they got home and she says he read it on the drive home and then afterwards he was running around the yard. So that warmed my heart too. Um, but yeah, there was a, it was a very busy convention. A couple of the unusual things that I saw there. Uh, one was when I was 
going out to take some out. I, was, I had Kevin's thing signed. And I didn't want to keep it at the table. <laughs> so I was like, I'm taking this back to the car and locking it. So on the way there, there was a stage in front where they would have variety type acts up there, which I don't know how well that went over, uh, especially with the retailers that were up close to it. Cause it was very loud. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but they, uh, they had hula dancers there about eight girl, eight women hula dancing. So that was interesting because I did not expect that when I walked out the door. <laughs> um, and then the other unique experience, well, then they did they did do karaoke. Uh, and so there were some horrible singers there. And one of the singers uh, was, that was up there was a guy dressed up in like a, um, like a German dress type thing. Uh, and he was singing some Disney song. I don't remember what Disney song it was. Are you talking like Lederhosen? Yeah, like a Lederhosen. No, I'm talking about like he was in a dress that would be paired up with someone wearing Lederhosen. Huh. Oh, okay. (laughs) So, yeah. No, he was in a full-on dress and makeup and pigtails and everything. And uh, Oh, so he's probably doing like eeled, like, you know, the uh, historically women didn't play women in stages. Could be. Men. Who knows? Sort but of was, situation. But he was doing... One of Rock's friends, I'm sure. Yes, it would be one of Rock's friends. Uh, and he was doing karaoke. So, and sounding horrible. But that also woke my, woke me up when I walked past it. Um, oh, yeah, I texted Rock and said, "There, Rock, there's a lot of people here for you. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I need pictures, man, pictures. And I'm like, <laughs> so... Um, but yeah, it was a fun experience. It was a nice balance of everything. Like they, they put on a good show for Fan Expo. It is a huge improvement from what Wizard World was, uh, which is what used to be, uh, this show. So, um, a nice balance of everything. Um, so it wasn't like too much celebrities, too much comics, too much retailers, too much, like they even have video games and stuff like that. It was like, there was a nice balance of everything there. Um, but very busy. Um, comic area wasn't as busy as far as like people just kind of walked through it. It seemed like, like the artist alley area and stuff like that. They just kind of walked through, but like Mike Grell was there. Howard Mackey was there. They got some good talent there. Um, Kevin Smith was there with Jason Muse. Um, yeah, he was actually signing. Yes. He hasn't really done that in, um, a long, like he always does like his little private meet and greet show stuff. Right. But the fact he was actually at a table signing was unusual. Yeah, I was surprised too because I was like, I don't remember him doing that. But um, yeah, it's um, he was. I was listening to uh, Batman Beyond. The I don't know if it was the new, newest one or last week or something. I forget. But he was talking about like he's like I haven't done this in a while and I actually really enjoyed it. And apparently, Jay Muse was like, "You got to do this more often, man. We're all getting rich." <laughs> nice. So I'm looking forward to doing some, uh, maybe a few smaller conventions. Joel and I talked and we were saying like, if we can coordinate a little bit more, we can, uh, do some, uh, do some conventions together. This way both of us are there and he could, he can do commissions for people, which kind of draws some people in. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a fun show. Like I had a really great experience. It wasn't like sales aside. Uh, it was, 
it, I don't regret it at all. Like it was a really fun experience. I made some good connections. And the big thing that I learned for myself and, and my wife's like, yeah, I'm not surprised. And I'm like, well, you just never know is I do a pretty decent job of connecting with other creators. <laughs> like I, I tend to be able to hold my own carrying on a conversation with them and everything. So that was really cool to kind of make those connections. And I've connected with all the, all those guys on Facebook and everything like that now. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was a fun experience for a first time out and, and very, um, surreal as a first time out to be like having that type of table and being around those types of people and everything. So I, I loved it. Uh, one thing I know you mentioned, uh, as far as a topic to maybe talk about of something, at least for me, I'm not loving too much, but, uh, some of the packaging things that are going on right now in the world of toys. Uh, and I don't know how much you've actually experienced out there. Cause I know John, you're out there quite a bit looking around and, uh, have you noticed some of these changes yet or have they not really hit the stores too much just yet? The, the lines that we are, fans of, and I say we collectively, I recognize there might be some folks that are into some of the others. You're seeing it with Power Rangers. Yeah. They they are going to the all cardboard package. Uh, Transformers, you're seeing this little open top where you might see a head or a part of a body. Yeah. The the last couple, uh, well, the I guess this the Marvel Legends... Hasbro show YouTube event. The last one they did is where they started showing the full cardboard packaging, yeah. the plastic window. And I have, as I started collecting over the last couple of years again, I tend to do men on card. Yeah. And it is very simple for me to say, I'm not going to do a box. Yep. Because I don't see anything. Yep. I understand. I understand. They can say it's about the environment. I also understand I can make cheap, thin cardboard boxes and yes. save exponential amount of money. Because I also know that people make plastic out of plants. Yep. And so you could make recyclable plastic, clear plastic things. Yeah. So if it was really those. about the environment, you could do that. But obviously, right. it also costs more. I, I don't think, and that you know, and that is okay. Sure. At the end of the day, this stuff should be for children. However, we can all also sit here and say. You're not buying a child a thirty a thirty nine ninety nine Spider Man. Well, and to and to relate it to something that I just talked with Chuck about recently, because he was uh, I, I saw in Grub. I don't know if you looked already or had seen, but the new Lego idea sets, possible sets, have been released. And uh, as far as the ones that Lego can now look to see if they want to make, and um, one of them was uh, which I sent it to rock saying this i found a lego set finally for you which is a toilet that you make out of lego oh yeah i, I saw it. <laughs> it's a giant toilet with this little tiny minifig sitting on the yes, edge of it yes <laughs> it's hilarious and how that got ten thousand votes hello. probably just out of hilariousness of it and everything but uh obviously i don't see lego making that but um chuck was like what kid wants to play wants to build a toilet and i said well chuck Lego is finding out in the last several years that it's not just kids that are playing with Lego anymore. It's adults too. That's why there's 18 plus sets and everything else. 
Um, it, you know, Lego's a little bit behind everything else when it comes to the collectors and stuff like that because they were trying to still have it be for kids, and then they're like, wait, there's adults that are collecting these things and building things and everything else. Um, so when it comes to the action figures, that's why, you know, to say, well, yeah, these are meant for kids. To your point, John, some of these things are not meant for kids. Some of these things are meant for the collectors, and I think what the step that they're doing is kind of steering those collectors away a bit, so... It, it, like I said, we know it's coming. We know it's Hasbro to start. It's a matter of time before they do it with Joe and yep. they do it with whatever else. Yep. I'm sure Mattel is going to take Hasbro's lead. Yep. And and they'll do it. And when they do it with wrestling figures and Motu and whatever else, it, you know, I, I think I'd heard they have to have everything transitioned by like 2024. I think. Yeah. Well, and so, here's a, here's another thing I heard. You were mentioning Mattel. I heard the license is coming up for Masters of the Universe with Mattel. So they cre- I thought they didn't they create it. I say they. I thought they did, but I I was hearing something out there about how they might not have it anymore. I don't I don't know. I don't know about. I just heard some rumor about that. So, um, I mean Marvel created Spider Man, but they don't do his movies. So I don't. But I don't Mattel know. owns. I thought uh, Mattel masters. owned it and then farmed it out because they farmed yeah. it to Super Seven and yeah. whoever makes deluxe things. I, I, you know, at the end of the day, it seems like Motu has had as big a resurgence as any when it comes to oh yeah toy lines. And I mean, hell, you've got how many Motu lines at one time? Oh, there's several the, on the floor. Yeah, there's at least four. At there's least, and, and so then you much had Motu shit on the on the shelves at <laughs> well, Target. It's some insane. of it, some of it, unfortunately, sits a bit. Yeah, but you've yeah. got Revelation. You've got Origins, you've got the Kitty line. Right. You also had the Motu WWE figures, which yep. were fantastic. Oh yeah. As a, as a group, those were super cool. Yeah. Is Origins uh, the quote unquote classic line? It, so yes. no, the classic it, line that, was right. something that Mattel did in the past that was like okay. Where they so, were kind but of like, it's but, same but Origins right? is close to the stuff from the from the eighties. It's stuff, the one yeah. that like if I when I walked it because me not being a big He-Man fan, I look at it and go, oh, that looks like an ode to the original. Yes. 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 Okay. Yeah. Yep. But even now, they're going to make the Revelation style, they're going to do a classic He-Man. Yes, and they're going to do also... And, and they're going to do a Skeletor, ones, right? Yep. I mean, oh. And they're also going to like do ones that... like a 40th anniversary line coming or something, too? Yeah, well, that is their kind of their 40th anniversary yeah. line is the okay, Revelations okay. one. So, And what they're also going to do is they're also going to make revelation size ones based off the Kitty cartoon that's out right now. So they're going to have these bigger figures that look like the the kitty cartoon that's on Netflix right now. See, I feel like what Mattel is doing with Masters um, is kind of showing Hasbro that you can still make vehicles at decent sizes that you know um, will sell to an extent. Oh yeah, flood the market and there's too many of them. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I feel like Hasbro has just gotten completely out of the vehicle idea for everything. And it's like, no, you can still make stuff if you make it like, you know, whatever that sky sled thing is, right. or like Panthro or, you know, something in that medium size range. It's certain, like, yeah, certain sizes, yeah. You know, even Castle Grayskull, I mean, just don't produce it on a, on a mass scale. Right. <clears throat> yeah, like, like we've talked about before, if they did like, for Joe, if they did like a Skyhawk, a Trouble Bubble, things like that, like, you can do that stuff. People would eat it up like crazy. Um, just be smart about what you match it up with. Like, don't put a trouble bubble with Dr. Mindbender. 
you know, put it either put it by itself or put it with a trooper. You know, a, a like what they just trooper. did with the the classified reveal with um, the the uh, Tiger Force Duke with the Tiger Force version of the Ram. Yeah. You know, like I wish they had done something other than the Ram, but okay, you just used it. Why not? You know, I guess you, you can. got you got to make your money on your molds, man. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. get it. Yeah. You but at the because same they time, know, they too, like, won't. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say they won't sell as many of those as they necessarily did the Breaker and Ram. Right. But you, you, you're not spending a whole lot to make it to begin as much. Well, and the thing you is, know, too, like even with Breaker, like I, I you can kind of use Breaker as a generic green shirt if you wanted to. Absolutely. But, oh, but yeah. which is a nice thing. But at the same time, it, it would have probably even it potentially could have been sold better if it was if it was actually just a green shirt. Um, but to your point, John, like they're not going to sell as many of it with Duke because you're how many people want like ten Dukes? I mean, there's a few people well, out there. And, and how many? How big is Tiger Force in the big picture? Right. Oh, well, I feel like of all the Joe sublines, Tiger Force to me, even though I never had any as a kid, it's the one I that and Python Patrol. Those are the two I know. Yeah. And sure. to me, those are the big ones. And then when you get into Night Force or whatever the like, whatever the hell's after that, like, okay, now you're really scraping the bottom of the barrel. But yeah. I feel like Tiger Force was smart, but then maybe they should have made it more of an exclusive to like an online situation versus putting them on shelves in like, yeah. you know, a Target exclusive or whatever the hell they're going to be. Well, what they wanted to do is they wanted to have something they could give to Target and then still come out with a general version of that character or that vehicle for everybody. So they could tell Target, hey, we made an exclusive for you, but uh, six months from now we're going to make a regular bazooka and put them out there for everybody. So, And that's the one everyone wants anyways. But, um, but yeah, it's just it's just a way to, to entice Target to, to buy them because every store wants their exclusives. So, But yeah, it's my big issue with, because uh, I agree with everything you said, John, as far as like the packaging and stuff like that. My big issue is I can't see the figure. Like, I don't know what's in that box. Uh, you know, you could leave just a cutout window there or something like that. It doesn't have to have plastic in front of it or anything like that. Just at least leave some type of window so I can see that there's a figure in there. Because I don't know what I'm going home with if, unless I order it right from the store. See, I feel like I don't mind it so much. Because I tend to be a specific character person. Sure. Um, and it's rare that, you know, in the case of like the major blood on the classified, I picked that up because I saw it and was like, holy shit. But it is very rare that I come across anything like that because I'm just, you know, it's just a realization that I only have so much space and yeah. all and these I, sorts of things. So, and but, I get so that, I but, but to, to your point there, would you have picked up major blood if you just saw box art? At the store, um, I probably I, I can't say for certain. My my inclination is to say maybe not. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like you know, with the new class, you know, with this next wave of classified with the Zorana Crimson Guard and the Dusty, mm-hmm. um, man, that Dusty art is fucking phenomenal. Sure. And I don't just say that because I love Dusty. No, I but agree. That art is fucking spot on. Yeah. And like, I feel like even if I didn't really. You know, even if Dusty wasn't my boy, and I saw that art, I would probably be like, "Ooh, I'm getting that just for the art." Yeah, but I think I I think at least we've seen it with the Marvel Legends 
when they go to this all cardboard, it's a picture of the figure. Right. And that'll be interesting to see how that works. Cause I, I think Hasbro, at least to this point, has missed the mark with not doing some type of poster art book or mini poster giveaways or agree. some, something online even where you could download those images and use them as screensavers. Yeah. And, phone art and those things because they at first it i didn't like it that they were all different however it has grown on me and some of them are just simply phenomenal oh yeah and, and it's so specific the this the crimson guardsman reminds me of star wars i was like this yeah. is so friggin cool yeah well, here's but a I, random question i have about the crimson guard when did he get a sword like it, i i assume this must be from a different figure that i'm not, that predates me or not pre- when it comes after I got out of it, because I don't remember the original Crimson Guard figure having a sword. So they are steering away from guns more and more. Okay, sure, but why does it? But but why this? Is there a specific reference for the nope. sword? Nope. Okay. They just are like, I mean, okay, I, we're going like to replace, we're going to replace, yeah, we're going to replace guns with swords and and knives and things like that because that's healthy too. <laughs> yeah, I know knives aren't deadly. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, like for me, what the one of the big things is, and this is fine because it saves me money and it saves me space and everything else. But like, if I'm walking down a toy aisle and I just see boxes with artwork on it, it doesn't entice me to want to pick up that figure at all. Like, even if it's you know Flint on the box art, I'm like, I don't know. Like, maybe I'll Google search what the figure looks like, but I'm gonna look at it and go, okay, I don't know what that figure looks like. It could be a piece of crap inside there. I don't know. Um. And well, I also look at the paint apps. You can't. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You don't know if it's a rock and a straw in there. Well, that's the other thing I would say. If is you're like, going to buy it at retail. You have, to yeah. If I'm just happen to be walking by and seeing it, like, I don't know what's actually in that box. And to but your really, point, I don't know if I'm getting a cross-eyed flint or, you know, like, I don't know what, what it looks like. So good question. Yeah. I, I may have missed it, but I understand Hasbro is going to the no plastic thing. Is it? Was it their decision, or was it something to do with where they're trying to sell in certain places and they have to limit the plastic, so they just decided to, um, you know, like, forget it, we'll just make everything do this because it's cheaper in the long run? Yeah, I think it's a government thing. Yeah. I think it's an environmental thing. Yeah. Okay. So, in theory, that means all these other toy companies would need to go in that direction, too. Eventually, yeah. Unless they they look at alternatives. Right. Like these plant-based plastics that i mean hell you can eat, go go to most places you know some of these uh places or you go to california particularly you go in any of those places and they're going to do biodegradable you know s- silverware yep same idea yep these. okay well uh, yeah but I, but i recognize that's not the same price as cheap piece of plastic yeah well <laughs> and then the price is going up yeah i mean let's face it when we started this conversation two years ago gi joe classified figures were 1999 yep and then they were twenty two ninety nine, and I believe they're getting to twenty four, if not twenty six ninety nine. Yep. And then if you go the deluxe stuff, hell, thirty I mean, plus. Yeah. yeah, I mean forty. I, yeah, and, and what is what is the what is the cap? Right. Because at some point people, well, in fact, I can tell you, the the most recent Mando Grogu set, the Arvala Seven. Yeah. It's on sale right now at Target, and you can see them. Yeah. At Target on sale. Yeah. Which means they finally hit the mark where, okay, gang. We're done. <laughs> we're not selling them at, the, at that price point. Yep. You know, they're sitting. Yep. Oh. 
And, and I honestly think it's going to it's gonna hurt them in the long run. I, I think people are going to... I saw a lot of people... Now, granted, people say things, and then what they do are two different things. But I saw a lot of people saying, like, well, I'm done collecting stuff now. Like, if it, as far as stuff that I can't see. Because, to your point, John, they... There's a lot of those people that are saying that, they're mint on card collectors. So... To not be able to see the figure and only be be able to see a box, they're just like, yeah, I'm done. I don't need need that. If all I'm going to see is the artwork, I can look up the artwork I, online. Here, here's my philosophy, and this is what I've talked a lot about this with Travis in the last few weeks. If I'm going to collect cardboard, it's going to be wrestling cards, <laughs> right? Because they're nice and flat, and I can put them in little binders and look at them, and I can get autographs, and I can do different, you know. And there are a lot of them. I can I yep. can have one person just like there's. Not fifteen different breakers, right? But there are 150 Oscars. Yeah, and they me, can go and they can go up in value and things like and, that. And too. there's there there is that I you know I yeah. I am not a speculator like no I get that I've got to know but you you do you don't know and and you know figures can do the same thing but I'm having a lot of fun doing the the card stuff because yeah just like the figures and just like art or anything else there's a community that's super passionate and that's also super helpful. Yeah. And that's that's been a lot of fun. Yeah. You, you mentioned the speculator thing. I don't know if you guys, how much you've been in touch with uh, the comic book scene, but there's a lot of speculation going on right now with all these movies and TV shows being out. Every time there's a new character being introduced into a Marvel or DC title, that, that comic starts selling. Uh, Star Wars, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm curious to see. I haven't looked. The... Um, now that the the panel stuff has come out for celebration with the the Tales of the Jedi panel, yes. the, the animated series that's coming, like all of a sudden I'm like, well, wait, wait a minute, I actually have all those. Right? Are those about to go up in price? Oh uh, yeah, they will be. Yeah. Well, and I'll give you an example of something that happened for me was I had um, so my favorite Spider-Man story of all time is Spider Verse, and that's the comic story that came out before the movie into the Spider Verse. It's multiversal, it's Spider-Man, it's like, it's perfect for me. I absolutely love the story, I collected every part of it, and of course, one of the issues that I collected was the first introduction of Spider-Gwen. So I have that issue, it's in great condition, I don't plan on selling it, at least not right now, but I have all of that. So, because that was such a big hit, Marvel then did like an event afterwards called Spider-Geddon, which was kind of similar to that, and then they did a mini-series called Spider-Verse, uh, that was just a mini series and it kind of had sto- had Miles Morales going into different multiverses and meeting different characters. And of course, there's a bunch of first introductions in those, uh, especially the very last issue. So the last issue has this really cool cover. Um, I got the mini series, all six issues of it. And, uh, my buddy Sam texted the one day and he's like, he knew I liked Spider-Verse and stuff. He's like, Hey, do you have this issue? And it was issue six. And I was like, yeah, I'm sure I do somewhere. I was like, I don't know. And um, lo and behold, and he, I says, why? And he says, well, it's selling for quite a bit. And I says, oh, I wonder why. And he's like, he's like, I looked at eBay. It looks like it's, there's a lot of first appearances in there. I don't even know what the first appearances are that are in it because I never read it. Like it's set, literally it's one of my comics that sat there and I just never read it. So I happen to be going through my comics and everything else sorting through. And lo and behold, I come across that six issue miniseries. And I'm like, you know what? I have no emotional attachment to this. Uh, I never read it, so obviously it wasn't important to me, and this thing's selling for a lot, I'm going to list it on eBay. So I list all six issues, uh, and like I said, the sixth issue is the one that people are interested in. It's not done yet, 
I still think I still have a day or two, but it's selling for, right now for two hundred dollars. And I got it when it came out at like two ninety nine or whatever it was. So the speculator market in comics is getting ridiculous again, and I'm waiting to see the bottom drop out again because it's going to happen again. Um, once people start realizing that not every new character is going to be in a movie or a TV show, so. Although maybe they all will be. Who the hell knows? <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, we're seeing a, a huge uptick in comics where like a character just appeared this week and people are eating up that issue just because of speculation on it. So it's, it's crazy. To John's, to use John's words, it's bananas. It is bananas. Yeah. But it's, it is interesting to watch. Oh yeah. All, all these different markets. During COVID, when people were at home, yep. some people got a little bit of the uh, coronavirus fund money, yes. and you saw you, in, in all these different things that we're into, you saw speculation or people starting to build out, like me. I got back into figures, yep. right? And yep. I hadn't collected figures in years. All of a sudden, you're starting to see people dump them. I'm yep. not dumping what I got, sure, but, uh, but I'm starting to look and say, first off, where am I going to spend my money as as we see inflation go sure and if we know that those joe figures those star wars figures those marvel legends they're not going backwards no unless they go back to five points of articulation right and put them in a baggie you know or right. whatever you <laughs> <laughs> it's not going backwards gang so it it, it, it will be interesting to see it's also going to be interesting to see like i i don't see this well, I guess to a degree this could happen, but, you know, they're so concerned about the environment and stuff like that, so they're not going to do the plastic shell, yet they have a full plastic figure inside there, inside the box, which has way more plastic than that shell ever did. <laughs> um, so, like, is does there start being restrictions on those? Well, do we go back to three and three quarter inch without, because it's too much plastic? Without the plastic. What's that? How do you make those those toys without the plastic, though? You don't. But that's what I'm saying. Like, do they start requiring companies? Like, how how much does the environmental stuff start playing a factor? Like, do they have to start going back to three and three quarter inch size figures to, so that they're using less plastic? I I, I I I feel like you're blowing this whole thing out of proportion. Is lowering the plastic content of the boxes in theory has could in theory have an outcome. But then trying to jump from that to the conclusion of going, well, now what are they going to make the toys out of? It's like, no, 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 come on. Well, I'm not, no, no. So I'm not saying, I'm not so much saying that, but I'm saying could they, could there be requirements at some point for these companies to not make the larger figures at some point? And I'm not saying like next week or the next year or something like that. I'm talking like 10, 20 years down the line when it's like, okay, you got this. Cause let's face it. I'm, and I, and I have no problems like trying to help the environment and stuff like that. I'm all for that. But, it's one of those things like, okay, we did this. Okay, well, that's not enough. Now you got to do this. Okay, that's not enough. Now you got to do this. And it's it, there's constantly a moving goal line when it comes to this stuff. And so I'm just curious, like, at some point, like, do they have to start going to what John's talking about? Where it's like, okay, you can make plastic action figures, but they have to be plastic action figures that are made out of plant-based plastic that are biodegradable and stuff like that. Like, and again, I'm not saying, like, Next year or five years, I'm talking like down the line, like probably after we're dead. <laughs> like, does it reach that point at some point? I don't even think that's worth. I mean, if it's going to take that long, I don't think it's worth discussing. I'm just throwing but, it out there. <laughs> it's so far down the line, though. 
I mean, who knows? By that by that time frame, maybe everything will be three D printed. Well, yeah, well and, and you have to wonder who's who are the collectors going to be. Well, that's the other thing. And, yeah, and even in ten, five or ten years or fifteen right. years, my kids were into the. We've talked about this before. My kids were into action figures because dad was into action figures. Sure. Grub's boy is going to be into action figures and Lego because Grub was into action figures and Lego. Right. But I know other, you know, my friends, my kids' friends didn't weren't necessarily into that. But do I think they'll be into Pokemon? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do I think sure. you know Pokemon cards will be popular? Yeah, because it, it's that cyclical thing, right? Like now you're seeing more. What was what's been hot in the last few years at conventions? Power Rangers, right? Because those those are the folks that start having disposable income. Oh, the '90s you're stuff is more coming that. back big time. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. You're seeing all this '90s stuff come back, yep. and it's you know, and give it another few years, and it's going to be Ninjago. And, oh yeah, you know, yeah, for uh, sure. Ben Ten and that kind of thing. Yep. But yeah, and and more Minecraft stuff and things like that. Yeah. So, but yeah, and Fortnite and all that. But like the other, the other. I thing, still think Minecraft Legos are one of the most meta things to have ever existed. Oh, for sure, a hundred percent. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, like my kids, like I want Minecraft. I want Minecraft. I'm like, all you have is Minecraft underwear. You don't. You've never played it. Why do you so interested? <laughs> but okay. Okay. Um. Yeah. And, well, and that's the thing too. Like, uh, you, John, you're mentioning the collectors and stuff like that. That's one of like one of many reasons why I'm selling stuff now because I'm like. Okay, five years from now, ten years from now, I'm going to be in my mid, you know, I'm going to be in my fifties to early fifties to late fifties. Like collectors are, you know, sad to say, but collectors are going to be dying off. Like, how many of them want to still keep getting these toys? And the generation after us, how much interest do they have? Like, am I going to be able to sell a GI Joe classified figure to somebody ten years from now? I don't know. Um, and if I do, is am I gonna be selling it for five dollars or am I maybe selling it for fifty dollars? So, you know, I it's just it's interesting that sometimes to think about like where collecting habits are going and how they're changing and stuff like that. For me it's interesting at least. I had a chance I went to see my dad last week in Louisville and we went out to the South Louisville Toy Mall. So for those of you that anywhere in anywhere within driving distance of Louisville, Kentucky, you need to go to this place because it is absolutely insane. Uh, I, I used to table there 20 years ago. This place has been around forever. It is it is a a toy mall full of stuff, nice. and not just current stuff, and not just Hot Wheels, or not just Barbie dolls, or not just Star Wars. It has everything you can think of Very in cool. this place. And I sent you guys some pictures, yeah, just a handful of pictures to get a taste of what's in there. But, uh, you know, in the back, for example, there's an entire room of just toy trains, like, set up. And nice. they have a train track and that kind of thing. So it hits all those different points. Well, what's interesting is to see what, you know, like, what booths are doing well. And, well, you see a lot of Hot Wheels. And you saw yep. a lot, you saw some current Joe and Star Wars and Marvel Legends and that kind of thing. But then there was all kinds of old, when I say old, like, 50s and 60s things. Yeah. So to your point... There might be a collector base for that now, right? But, but like GI Joe, I I read somewhere, I think it was Facebook, and it was a draw. It was they were talking about GI Joe, real American hero, mm-hmm. and the person's comment was the original Joes. Yeah. Uh, no, sir, the original Joes in the sixties, right? Before most of us were born, right. And probably anybody listening to this show before that, but 
learn your history, Bubba, because like, oh. you know, Joe's been around a hell of a lot longer than us. So I had something yeah. like that at the convention this weekend. I didn't say anything because I didn't want to like cause a debate. But uh, the guy sitting next to me, someone was asked. He had a drawing that he did of Miracle Man. Um, and one kid was asking, I'm like, oh, who's Miracle Man? Because he didn't know. He was younger and stuff like that. And he goes, oh, think of Shazam. And the kid's like, oh, okay. He's like, yeah, like, Shazam stole from Miracle Man. So Miracle Man was drawn first. And I turned to him, and and I just looked at him like, what the hell are you smoking? Like, Shazam's been around since, like, what, the 30s? 40s? It predates Superman, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, well, around the, at least around the same time, if 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 not predating him, um, but like I was like, what what plant? Like I when the kid left because I didn't want to cause a debate right then. When the kid left, I wanted to turn to him and be like, do you honestly believe that, or are you just saying that to the kid? Because I was like, if that's the case, you don't know your comic characters at all. <laughs> I actually, a uh, friend of mine, um, she's really into power metal. Yeah, and. Uh, this was, I don't know, a couple of years ago, we were talking about something. I made a, I made a comment about, uh, oh, the Star Wars character Montrose, who's a Mando. Yeah. Every time I see that character's name, all I can think of is the band Montrose. Gotcha. And they're like, well, who's Montrose? I'm like, Sammy Hagar? Who's Sammy Hagar? Wait, 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 wait. You listen to hard, to hard rock and heavy metal and you don't know who the fuck Sammy Hagar is? Right. <laughs> like, Oh my God! Like I was well, like Montrose. That's where Sammy Hagar got started before yeah. he became the Red Rocker with Solo, and then joined fucking Van Halen. We did. I did talk to some. Yeah, I did talk to somebody at the show about that too. We we got into a conversation where it's just like, if it didn't happen in their lifetime nowadays, it seems like kids have no interest in looking at stuff that happened before them, and which is so weird because that was not the case when I was a kid. I know so much stuff that was around before I was born. Like I mentioned to the guy I was talking to, I was like, I know the whole who's on first routine. That was definitely way before I was born. And I was like, and you know how I learned it? I went to the library, got a cassette and listened to it. But to that end, Ryan, they, everything, and this is not to be grumpy old men talking sure. now, cause that's no fun. Sure. But let's face it. Kids now, yeah. they can get on a, on a device and they'll never see anything that's more than 10 minutes old if they don't have to. But the thing I pointed out is that you're not going to know who's on first because people don't know who Laurel and Hardy are because Laurel and Hardy, black and white people don't necessarily see black and white movies or TV shows or anything. But to my argument with that is because they have it easily accessible in their hand, if they hear a reference and don't know what it is, they can easily look it up. Like, because that's what I did. I had to actually work to look up the references that I didn't know. They yeah, have but right you walked up hand. middle of school both ways and <laughs> worn out. I, well, see, they, 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 this, just, this is where I would argue that us growing up, we were fed our parents' nostalgia. Sure. We didn't have options. We had three or four channels. Right. And whatever was on the radio. And we talked about that too, yeah. That yeah. was it. So what did we all grow up watching? You know, the 66 Batman. Right. Um Andy Griffith. Andy right. Griffith. Yeah. Gilligan's you know, Island. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All that shit. Bewitched, all that. Yeah. And, well, and the thing is, we didn't that, have a choice. Yeah. Nowadays, there's a gazillion fucking channels. Look yeah. at YouTube. Yeah. If they don't have any, like, I don't, you know, I, I'm not going to fault somebody for, you know, if somebody makes a reference and I'm like, well, what the hell is that? And they're like, oh, it's so and so. I'm like, okay. 
And then I, I don't bother because I don't care. I can go do something that I actually give a shit about. Right, but I, I think for me, and maybe it's just because of the, the nature of who I am, like, I'm a, I'm a curious mind. So when I hear a reference that I don't know about, I do look it up. Because that's how I grew up, was being curious about stuff. And to your point, John, like, I think that's a difference also, is that me growing, when I was growing up, it was... You know, you had a curiosity to kind of learn things and everything else where everything nowadays is kind of fed to you a lot more. Um, so there isn't you have to go out and find it. You It's just there. So you're usually not getting fed stuff that's before you were born and stuff like that. It's, everything is now. So it was just it was a it was an interesting conversation we had because he mentioned kind of similar thing that you were mentioning, Grub, where it was like somebody didn't know a certain reference. And they were like, he was like, what? And he was like. I was like, yeah, and all they had to do was pull their phone out and Google it really quick. They could have learned what it was. <laughs> well, I get I get amazed a lot. There's a a new kid at work. He's been there, I don't know, maybe six months. Yeah, I'm literally double his age, right? And he's from Savannah, Georgia. He's never lived anywhere else in his life. You know, comes from a pretty wealthy, affluent family. Uh, he's not. He's smart, but then the stuff that he'll pull out sometimes, like I'll reference, you know, I'll I'll rip off a movie quote or something, and he'll fire the next line back at me. And I'm like, how the hell do you even know that? <laughs> so I, I think it's just, it, it, it probably just, depends on how you're raised and yeah, like your experience. Yeah. Probably. It's just like, holy shit. Like I didn't it expect just, you to know blazing saddles. Right. <laughs> like, it just cracked me up though, too. Like I said, even so, like, cause the guy I was talking to, I didn't realize he was younger than me. He looked like he was older than me, which made me realize like, how old do I look then? <laughs> but he was actually like three or four years younger than me. And, uh, but he was the one that said the whole miracle man thing. And I was just like, I just like, I was dumbstruck. But then I found out like he has this passionate love for the miracle man property. And I'm like, okay, in your world, you want to believe that, but that's not the truth. <laughs> like, like I had my phone I mean, ready to, be to fair, Google. I couldn't tell you anything. Okay. I know who miracle man is. And I think if I saw him in costume, I could say, Oh, that's a miracle. You would recognize it. Yeah. Yeah. But I know literally nothing about him beyond that so right. yeah they didn't make a miracle man movie yet they but they have made a shazam movie so <laughs> yeah yeah um which the first one was a blast so i'm all for the second one um but yeah it was just that that type of stuff like i said came up at the show and everything else and we just had kind of a conversation about it and like i said blew my mind when he said that miracle man was a that shazam stole from miracle man i was like oh the hell no <laughs> And it, like I said, it was somebody that definitely should have known that. It was a, a comic creator that was, you know, like I said, a, couple, a few years younger than me. So, um, But uh, I don't have anything else. Did you guys have anything else you wanted to talk about or mention? Uh, there was something, but I can't remember right now. So I guess it doesn't matter. <laughs> I know I got to mention Neil Adams, but I didn't know if you guys had anything you wanted to say in regards to him. No, I mean, I, I think I ever met him once, and that was with you in line. Yeah. Other than I know he he was very famous for reading, um, very prickly. Yeah. And, I mean, granted, he did do a tremendous amount for creator rights when it comes yeah. to comics. Yeah. So, even though he was kind of an ass. Yeah. He he was like gold, depending on what day you caught him on. <laughs> oh, and the, and the teaser trailer for the Weird Al movie dropped today. Nice. I'm so fucking... <laughs> pumped <laughs> that's awesome oh uh i i know and we might talk before this but i i know i'm extremely pumped for the obi-wan series like i haven't been this excited for a star wars thing in a while so 
I get to meet him. Woohoo! Nice. That's gonna be awesome. I, yeah. I'm kind of excited for this Doctor Strange movie coming out this week. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess the I don't know. Did the press stuff drop for that yet? I assume it did. I would think so. Um, I think they're pretty confident in the movie, so I, I would assume they probably did. Yeah, I, I thought I saw something about it's the marvelous Marvel movie to ever Marvel, basically. That's saying something, because that's what I felt about <laughs> the Spider-Man No Way Home. So, um, and, you... and, I, and I heard a, uh, somebody talking about they got to see uh, Top Gun Maverick. Oh, nice. Um, at a CinemaCon or whatever it was last weekend, I think it was. And apparently, like, the crowd went ballistically, like, just then he went nuts. He's like, grown men were crying all over the place. And I'm like, oh, God, he's going to die. He's going to (laughs) die. So I don't know, man. I'm like, oh, God, no, I was already hyped for that movie. Now it's even worse. Yeah. Grub, I know, I know Ryan saw Batman. Did you see it? No, and I don't care. (laughs) Like, I I think, I think I'm just, I, I think I'm just Batmaned out. It's, like it's very well I, done, I, I, in my opinion. I know the movie. Everyone says, "Oh, it's good. It's good. Yeah. It's grim dark. It's the, it's you know, it's it's the grim dark Batman to grim dark all time." But I'm like, I just, you know, to me, this was the most realistic one that they've yeah, done so far, just, as far as real world. And it's he finally is a detective in this one. It is a slower movie, which doesn't help the fact that it's a long movie. Um. Uh, Colin Farrell blew my mind as being the Penguin because even knowing that that was Colin Farrell, it's like that's not Colin Farrell. Come on, there's no way in hell that's Colin Farrell. <laughs> we were having I was I was talking to a coworker um, last week about Batman um, at lunch because he had seen. It. He's like, man, you gotta see, you gotta see it. And I'm like, I was like, I still can't believe that's Colin Farrell, man. Every time I look yeah. at him, I'm like, I just I can't see it. <laughs> yeah, and he's supposed to have an HBO Max series for Penguin too. So I don't know. I just. I'm sure it's great. I just, I'm just Batman out. Man. DC needs to do something besides Batman. I get it. Yeah, <laughs> I, there's so much other stuff DC could do, and I just enough with Batman. Do something else. I, I will say, I saw it opening night. I had zero expectation. Was thoroughly entertained. I know a lot of people that didn't like it for whatever reason, and then and you know people. The people I know that didn't like it don't read comics. Yeah. Because I think it is the most comic booky yeah. of the, of, to, at least to me. Yeah. You know, it, it felt most like year two and some of that stuff. I would say it I, felt, yeah, it felt like the year two. It felt like the Neil Halloween. Adams era and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. It just, I, I really enjoyed it. Shockingly so. I really yeah. was not expecting much. I thought the guy, uh, the kid that played Riddler was, was just phenomenal. He was fantastic. As he was Riddler. amazing. And, and Riddler is my third favorite Batman character. I am not a fan. I wasn't a fan of the look for him, but because of the context of the movie, I completely understand why they went for that look with him. Um, he he plays Riddler really well. Did um, you hear the story though about what he did to get into character? No. He was on Kimmel or one of the late night shows. And of course, if, you, if anybody has seen pictures, Riddler wears like a leather mask. You know, he's a serial killer, but he's got his entire body is wrapped. Well, so Paul Dano, who played him, decided that to make sure that he didn't leave any kind of prints, hair, anything at all, that Riddler would wrap himself in saran wrap uh-huh. under the costume. Gotcha. Well, he did that. Oh, sweaty. For day one so of filming. sweaty. Well, you can't sweat. Yeah, you can't breathe. Yeah, so the skin can't breathe. So he almost passed out. Yeah, like 
was in bad shape at you know day, the first day of filming. So he's on this talk show talking about it, and he looks right at the camera and he goes, "Cosplayers, listen to me. You do not need to put." And he couldn't say he's like Saran wrap. Don't want me to call it Saran wrap. Do not put cling wrap on under your costume. <laughs> you do not need to do it. <laughs> right, because you will pass but out. I, I thought what a what a what an interesting idea to say well th- this is what he would do to make right. sure that he doesn't leave anything behind he'd wrap himself in saran wrap yeah and then put on the gear and the, the whole scene between him and pattinson when he's in arc oh, yeah is yeah. one of the best dramatic scenes i've seen in a comic I, book movie i loved it i really did love it and i will also give a huge shout out to a movie that almost nobody has seen yet and they will when it gets out on on demand and things Everything, everywhere, all at once. I have heard that's fantastic. It is, it is the best movie I've seen probably in the last ten years. That's what I've heard. I cannot compare it to anything you've seen. All I will tell you is that for as crazy as the story is, as inventive visually as it is, it is a story about family, and it is grounded, and it is beautiful. I I adored it. I love Michelle Yeoh. She can do no wrong. Ki Kwan came back. And for those of you who don't know, Ki Kwan was... Short round and data. Doctor Jones. Yeah, he hasn't acted since the early nineties. He became a stunt coordinator and he just couldn't get work. And so he comes back, blew me away. Like it it is. It. I heard nothing but amazing reviews about it. It showed in one theater in Richmond on one screen. Wow. We went opening night. It was about seventy five percent full. Most of the audience laughed and and got it. A lot of people didn't because it is a. (laughs) It is one of those you have to pay attention. It, it is the best multiverse movie I, that's been out. Nice. But yeah, I, 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 I've heard yeah. it's like Crazy Town. Yeah, it, with jumping all over the place like that. It, there's stuff, guys. There's stuff, and I I don't want to say anything sure. because there's just there's so much wild stuff going on. You can see previews and see some stuff. For example, in one universe, they have hot dog fingers. Like that's crazy. <laughs> nice. But there is some stuff that happens in that movie that it, it, it's going to blow your mind. Yeah. But but I think what what made it so beautiful at the end is the fact that it's grounded and that it yeah. is a, ultimately it is about a story about this Asian family and trying to keep it together regardless of what universe they're in. Yeah. <laughs> um, struggling. And it, it, oh, it's, it's beautiful. I, I cannot recommend it enough. You were, you were not the first gotta, person gotta to, to say that I've seen say like, it's the best movie they've seen in a very long time. So yeah. And I'm looking forward to that new Nick Cage movie. I'm looking. I need to go see that because I've heard it's really good. So you know, I think it's been a good year for movies for John. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so far, but yeah, uh, I would highly recommend Everything Everywhere All at Once. Nice. But yeah, just you got to go in and pay attention because yeah. it is not one you can't you can't just be doing something else. Once right. Gotcha. You know what was also actually pretty decent? Sonic the Hedgehog two. I really like the first one. The first one is entertaining, yeah. and the second one was actually pretty decent. Okay. So uh, uh, my kid really likes it, so we're yeah. just waiting for it to come up on digital or whatever nice. so we can buy it so we can watch it over and over and over <laughs> and over again. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the first one significantly more than I thought I would. Um, so they did a good job on that one at least, so I'm looking forward to seeing the second one. Oh, I heard a rumor that the G.I. Joe animated movies come into theaters this summer. Oh, really? Yeah, I, it, Hasbro said something about it. Like I, I saw something brief, and I'm like, "Ooh, ooh, what?" <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I want to go see it. But. Right. Uh, apparently, Smoking the Bandit's coming back for its 45th anniversary. So nice. I'm excited about that. <laughs> You'll be the first one in the seat. I, I some bitch, I probably will. I'm with my Diablo sandwich and a Doctor. 
bunch of old white men sitting in there. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. But nothing wrong with that. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I think uh, we shot our bolt for the episode. And, uh, uh, Grub, I know you usually don't have anything, but anything you want to shout out? Uh, other than if you uh, happen to be in the Annapolis, Maryland area, and this weekend you're at Third Eye Comics, I'll be there on Saturday doing the 501st thing. Right. And then it's uh, – or celebration. Like I, th- I think there's there's people I think uh, – like uh, Scott Kruger, I'm going to try and meet up with him and nice. maybe other people that might listen to this. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you can get a hold of me or whatever, we'll see about getting meeting up. So. Very cool. Um, and John, how about you? Where can people find your other works? Oh, I got a lot of stuff out there, guys. Uh, if you want to hear anything about human resources, hrsocialpodcast.podbean.com. And for me, uh, Twitter, Facebook. I haven't been posting as much of my hunt pictures on the group because I haven't been finding as much. Gotcha. Lately, but it is still super fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You mean other than other than some aces high. Yeah. Yes, I did find. I found my Eddie. I was very excited about that. That was cool. That very was cool. that was very cool. I've only found one, and I'm looking for some. I'm looking for someone else. But uh, yeah, the uh, the uh, the 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 opportunity is still out there. If you are looking for things at stores like Target or Walmart or you know mass retail, shoot me a note cost plus shipping if i help you find it so and these guys can attest i'm pretty good at it oh yeah very much so so much stuff uh well you can find uh obviously you're listening to this episode so you found us somehow but you can find (laughs) more episodes at starjoes.com you can email us at starjoes uh starjoes podcast at gmail.com uh, you can call and leave a voicemail. It's 440-941-JOES, 440-941-J-O-E-S. We actually did have a voicemail. I didn't uh, have it queued up for tonight. but it, uh, it Was it the mystery man? It was the mystery man. He gave us his name. So, uh, I believe, oh. I believe he said Brad So uh, was his name. So, uh, And if it's the Brad I know, then then I I know who it is. So, um, But uh, but we'll, we'll play that next time. Uh, so, Brad, if you're out there, I, I do have your voicemail. We'll play it next time. Um and uh yeah and then uh all things stealth hammer on uh facebook twitter and instagram and uh we do have the second issue at the printer probably looking at late july early august is when it'll come back just because it's taking that long um i did look into other options to see like is could i go with somebody else and get it faster um and I couldn't guarantee the quality and the cost would have been significantly higher. Uh, so I was like, you know what? I know this company. I know the quality that I get. I've gotten nothing but compliments on the quality of the comic. Uh, it's going to be worth the wait. So I am going to, uh, if you're listening to this and you've not filled out your survey, I've sent the surveys out so that I can at least get you a copy of the digital comic. So, uh, and then this way you can at least, uh, that those will come out in May, uh, for anyone that's completed their survey. So you'll be able to actually read the second issue, there's been so many pages and stuff that I've wanted to show and share, but I wanted to wait till people, the Kickstarter uh, backers actually got it in their hands to see it. So once I know it's out there, then I can start kind of showing some of the stuff that we did. Cause I'm very excited about some, especially certain pages that we did in this issue. So, um, and, and I'm working on issue three, so we'll see what happens. Um, and I'll be sending stuff out to 
publishers again and all that fun stuff. And I've heard from quite a few people, like, once you have, like, two, three, maybe four issues in, under your belt, publishers are a lot times more uh, interested for someone that isn't uh, a name to, to kind of sign you on because they see that you already, you know, you've, you've built up a, a story there for them to, to be able to print out. So, uh, so with that, uh, John, you can go ahead and close with me. We'll say the force will be with you because knowing us is half the battle. Take care, everyone. May the force be with you.